0: Welcome to your staff interview, Wade.
1: Thanks. I'm
0: very excited. I'm going to pretend like I have no idea what it is that you do so that I can ask the right questions. But we're doing these interviews because I think folks are interested to see kind of who's behind the scenes here um, and what they think about every day, kind of their primary focus, uh, and how they got here. So I guess to start, Wade Williams... What is your job here? What do you do at gun.io?
1: I typically tell people that I'm the janitor. And so, <laughs> kind of jump around a lot and uh, make sure the wheels are staying on for most of the app things. I guess technically I direct the engineering team. Um,
0: but specifically on the engineering team, but he also does some janitorial duties across teams as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, at, at this point, like we've got. Um, whatever three other folks on the engineering team and going on to product folks so um you know i try and try and keep up with the workload on the engineering side but i'm also like just running around and coordinating and in and out of meetings and trying to keep the ball moving forward on all angles so whatever needs done that's what i'm doing (laughs)
0: I feel like you have been in the gun circle well before my time, Um, and one day we just needed an engineering leader, and the next day you were here. So I'm sure there's a story there. How did you find yourself at gun?
1: It was a uh, circuitous route, to say the least. (laughs) I, I worked at a startup down in Arizona for like five years, which is a different complicated story um but (laughs) it to say i i I bailed out of there and went to nepal for like three months i didn't know that yeah this is like 2016 and i had seen gun in like 2013 when it was like a bug bounty page with like hey hey, do this Mm -hmm. here's much money you could make and i thought it was cool it was interesting the branding was on point for 2013 i guess some (laughs) parchment paper background skeuomorphic whatever Yes, um, you can
0: find it on Way, Way Back if you're very curious.
1: So uh, I wound up, I don't even remember what the process was at that point, but I reached out to whomever, however it worked and wound up talking to uh, Megan in or about early summer 2016, I guess, mm-hmm. and wound up going through the process that existed then, which was less structured than it is now yeah it was um, very different yeah it was i've i only got like five or six people fired from projects um for just not doing <laughs> what they were supposed to be doing and there was just a lot of waste there was also a really big disaster project that i was on with gun that i had to try and save in the 11th hour after people had screwed it up royally for months Um, that was really fun. So you've been running around
0: with a mop bucket for many years, but your your janitor role is not new.
1: No, it's not. (laughs) Basically, you know, you read the linchpin thing from, from Seth Godin. It's like, okay, well, I guess I just need to keep the wheels on. That's kind of the move.
0: So you came on, uh, basically like inherited V1 of the app as we know it today and then built out our engineering team. And that was... 2019,
1: 2020. Yeah. The app, the first commit was made in August um, of 20, 2019 and did a lot with Jordan shots back in the day. Um, and I'm in a slack with him and we kind of chatter back and forth now and then he's like, Hey, you should do this project for gun. And I'm like, no, why would I do that? And he's like, Hey, you should really do it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and then, he wound up, so I have a Slack team that's like a local, it's basically like people that I've worked with in the past and the local tech meetup group is all in there and there's like a channel for like the local tech meetup group. And so Jordan gets in there and publishes this thing where it's like, <laughs> I've got this job that I need somebody to take over for me. And it has like, it's this tech and that tech and that tech and that tech. And it's like everything that I know perfectly. It's like the perfect
0: description. He obviously description wrote it he knew you yeah, were in there. He, yeah. He just he completely wanted to reverse publicly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And publicly shamed me into taking the gig. Yeah. In my own Slack team. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. Is he, he's near you? I didn't realize that you guys He's were up in Montana. Physically. I
1: saw him last year. Okay. Um, he's like seven hours away, but.
0: Which at West is close.
1: Yeah. I mean, Salt Lake's like four <laughs> hours, so I guess that'd be closer, but yeah, I met him for the first time yeah. in, in IRL last year.
0: Wow. Big moment.
1: But I, I've worked with Jordan since 2016 on Gun projects. So it's kind of like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, he posted in my Slack team about this job that was like the perfect tech fit for stuff that I know. And I was like, okay, Jordan, fine. What is it? And he's like, it's gone. And I'm like, that's not what I wanted. Oh, God, I'm like, fine. I'll look at it.
0: And here you are. Yep. So you built out our engineering team, as I remember it, pretty quickly. Like I think you were a lone wolf for a couple months, um, and then Regis and Richie joined in short order. Is that right?
1: Yeah. So I started. I picked up the app like end of February, beginning of March, 2020, just right about pandemic moments. So that was cool. And then I we had uh, a Nashville dev, Tim Warren, come on for a couple months um, to do some of the front end work, and then. By the time that we had the company infrastructure set up so you could like sign up as a company, um, I think was September and promptly use that to go find our engineering team. So we hired, um, we posted one job for, I think it was a UX engineer is the way that we framed that one and got 15 people applied. Um, I interviewed most of them. Um, of varying quality, but the top three folks we wound up hiring over the course of, I think we brought Regis and Richie on, uh, end of September, beginning October. And then Steve came on, I want to say like January of 21 or so.
0: I feel like, um, the sentiment on the team is that our engineering team is really unique. Um, I feel like we move really fast, especially given kind of the resources. What do you think makes our engineering team unique?
1: Yeah. So I, I don't think our engineering team is necessarily unique. I think we just kind of adhere to a few principles that work pretty good. So there's kind of a lot of research on this. If you take the time to dive into it, there's a a couple novelized versions of like how to do things correctly. The, the super dev relevant one is called the Phoenix Project, which tells a story about some impossible situation that somebody gets put in charge of this project that's a complete disaster and has to rescue it and they do that through basically lean manufacturing principles and the phoenix project is effectively the goal which is another novel but the goal is around actual manufacturing at like a auto parts plant and theory of constraints and you know which which machine on the floor is taking all the time and making everything go slower and then don't context switch that machine and just keep it going at maximal capacity, like eliminating the constraint. Um, and if you're, you know, retooling that one machine three times a day, then you have how much downtime and you didn't make any parts. Um, so that kind of translated into, into DevOps looks like kind of what our process looks like, which, you know, we do one week iterations. Uh, we put, the issues in on friday we kind of go over monday and make the final cut and then go for the week and at the end of the week most of the things in that milestone are done some of them aren't and we make the call on whether or not those things are going to go into the next week um but you know everybody's encouraged to try and finish one issue a day if you're doing one issue a day then you're making progress we've got three to four people depending on how you want to count because I'm frankly not, not very useful in my janitorial role right now um, as far as like actually moving the milestone forward um, but you know if you can knock out the one issue a day then we've got somewhere in between 15 and 20 issues being done a week and that's a pretty good clip
0: yeah in my mind you're like a jedi master in that you know a lot about many different things and so I'm curious how you got started in engineering like, was this a lifelong career thing? It sounds like maybe no. <laughs>
1: um, the circuitous route, the serpentine route through the neutral zone. Um, <laughs> so I I had a pretty uh, good start. My my mom worked at the Apple store in the 80s. And so I like learned to spell on an Apple computer. You know, I had a lot of experience with like computers in general. Windows 95 came out. That was cool. The internet. Yeah. And then I would just sit around in like the late 90s and view source on web pages and figure out how to do that stuff. I also had an HTML class in, in high school in like Whoa. 99, 2000. That's so very
0: progressive.
1: Yeah, yeah, I went to a pretty good high school, private. Mm. All boys Catholic, super awesome. Um, nice. <laughs> then I went to uh, Florida to be a professional water skier and got a water ski scholarship um, and did that for like 10 years. Um, But I majored in computer science in college, so I had that going for me, and I kind of kept up with it. You know, I was I was doing websites the whole time and ran a pretty big uh, water ski coaching forum website thing, and like built custom software to do like video coaching before YouTube existed. So I was always keeping busy with it, just on my own projects and what have you.
0: Is that how you learned how to fix a boat?
1: Something like that. Yeah. No, I, I, I grew up on a pond, so, like, I've been around yeah. boats forever, like, yeah. forever. Like, I was on 27-foot sailboat on the ocean before I could walk, so.
0: Mm, as you do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I basically ended my water ski career and uh, went back to Boston for one winter and lost my freaking mind because it goes dark at, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon in the middle of the winter. Oh, yeah. And so I started talking with some recruiters in Boston um, and wound up, like, just the the dumbest stories ever. But, like, I, the CTO for this company in Arizona lives in Marblehead, Massachusetts. Um, and so mm-hmm. I wound up interviewing with him and getting hired to go to Arizona, even though he still lived in Massachusetts because yeah. an absentee C. CTO. Well, you have the on like in-house team in Arizona and we'll just have the CTO in Boston. And, and so like just it's one of the funniest stuff ever, because yeah. it was like it was a really good experience because we could we did a bunch of different things and got a lot of good experience with like varying um, technologies and problems and, you know, white labeling a web app is kind of a whole like swath of problems. Like the CTO would be on a Zoom, like we it wasn't even Zoom. Like this is so bad, like back in the day. It's amazing anything even works, but the technology that we had to deal with even <laughs> 10 years ago is like so silly. So there was this, I yeah. forget what the name of it is, but there was like this tiny video thing that you could just open up and have like a video call with people on, but it was like in the web okay. browser and it didn't work good. So we would have these things like around the office. So like the CTO could just like jump in and so, like the the screen would just be like on over there, and suddenly, like he pops up. What like, in the world? Hey, hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> so weird.
0: Surely, it's uh, easier to just move to Arizona. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So I did a, a bunch of work there, um, left, started doing things with Gun, and then I wound up um, buying this uh, this web app called Sprint, uh, L-Y, Sprint.ly that we want we had used back in the day to like run our sprint process um, in Arizona. So I wound up buying that and did some work there for a few years. It's still operating in production, but that's like another whole swath of stuff. It's like a fully blown SaaS software that's up and running with all of its warts and good things and problems and not problems and what have you. So, I mean, a lot of of my experience is just self-taught and do it from doing it. Um, but technically I got that computer science degree, the, the startup that I worked for in Arizona was really interesting because it, you know, it was a big hype machine. Um, and, and we worked with a lot of big clients from like BMW to like Peterbilt trucks and Domino's pizza and what have you. And every one of those needed like their own little snowflake solutions. And we had really poor product management, um, which is kind of why I, Started doing product management after that, because it, you know, it became pretty clear to me after a few years at that startup that uh, it doesn't really matter how good you build something if it's the wrong thing.
0: Right. Um, You remind me a lot of the engineering version of my brother. Like my brother will walk into my house and there's a perfectly good chair or something. And they'd be like, this doesn't look sturdy and like bangs it against the wall until it breaks. And he's like, see, that wasn't well built. Like, I feel like generally you've got an eye for that stuff, too, where it's like, yeah, you're right. It's not well built. Like, it might look pretty, but it's not doing it's not going to do the thing it's supposed to long term. So equal parts of that and like pushing on things until they break, poking holes and shit and janitorial duties. Um, yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, like I said, if. If. You can you can build the perfect, you can build something perfectly, but if it's not what you need, then it's kind of useless. There's a there's an old quote that's kind mm-hmm. of a deep thought. That's uh, no software is better than no software.
0: Maybe that's what we'll call this
1: episode. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's there's another good. Um, because some of this stuff is just like esoteric and you just need to think about it for a long time to make any sense of it, so no software is better than no yeah. software so the, what I what I take that to mean is like if you can solve something with no software that's better than not having any software to solve that problem that's kind of how that what that means to me and so it's like is there a way to do this with no code is there a way to do this with little code is there a process change like do we actually have to build that thing um, there's another really good <laughs> artifact on the internet called the codeless code which is these cones which is like some japanese thing where it's like here's this poem riddle thing and it like has no explanation to it you basically just think about it and come up with your own meaning
0: yeah it's like therapy (laughs) so if somebody's listening and they're like You know, I'm technical. I've been kind of on the ground building products for the last, you know, however many years, but what Wade does sounds really interesting. Like I would love to be in more of like a tech lead or like DevOps kind of space. What advice would you have for somebody who wants to do what you do? Other than don't do it.
1: There's this meme that I have. I keep a, I keep an, a, a folder on my desktop called Important Things, which is where I keep all my, my GIFs and my memes. Um, and so right here, software development. Short answer, name and describe the five key phrase, phases of software development. And it's like denial, bargaining, anger, depression, and acceptance.
0: Seems accurate.
1: The advice is definitely be prepared for failure because it will happen every day. Um, But I think the most important thing is just do stuff, right? Like a lot of I've like looked at probably thousands of resumes um, and just the number of people who like don't have any example of them doing anything in the real world on the Internet is just shocking because like. Apparently you're trying to be a software developer. So perhaps you should develop some software and put it on the internet where people can see it so that it like proves that you actually know what you're talking about. Um, and those pro like, honestly, like that's where most of my experience comes from is, is personal projects that, you know, I've taken and tried to try to turn into a business and make some sort of money with, um, which, you know, not that I've been hugely successful at it, but, um, the, the best way to learn is through doing, in my opinion. Like, you can you can watch YouTube videos and you can go to a code camp and that will give you some something, but put something on the internet in production and keep it running for a long time um, is by far the best. Like, I've, I've got stuff that I built in 2005 that's still running on the internet, um, which is kind of crazy. And it's like, sure, is it performing perfectly? No, but If you look at my profile on the internet, it looks like I know what I'm doing. Hopefully, maybe probably doesn't, but you can definitely see that I do stuff.
0: (laughs) That you knew what you were doing in 2005, at least. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like almost a piece of advice. Within that advice is like, don't wait for somebody to pay you for a chance to learn how to do things. Because I feel like a lot, like a lot of the sentiment now is like, I need to find an entry-level job so I can learn all this stuff on the job. And it's like, well why not take on something on your own and learn as you go
1: yeah for sure and i mean it's also just about how motivated you want to be and i think if you're if you're trying to get hired the more motivated that you look the the better it is for sure i mean i've got (laughs) if i wasn't working with gun i have no fewer than like seven projects i could be working on right now some of which would pay me some of which might pay me some of which are are like completely not going to pay me um (laughs) But, but they might be fine. Yeah, it's super interesting, and I'll learn something that I can use in the future. Um, you, don't, you don't, like, I think people think they need to ask permission in order to do stuff, and it's like, no, just do stuff. Like, asking for, for forgiveness is far better, but, like, it's not even like you are going to have to get forgiven for going out and doing something on the internet, you know? And, and like, the, so much of software development is just reading the, the effing manual. RTFM, as we say. Um, like, the documentation's all on the internet for basically everything. I, I don't think that there's a lot of documentation that isn't on the internet for anything, really. Um, and all these tools that we use in software development are all the docs are on the internet. So, like, go figure out how to use it. Go spin up Docker in production. Get pwned. Like, have it, have everything burned to the ground and fix it. Like, that's that's what it takes to get the experience. I mean, you know, managing people is kind of a different thing, but I, th- in my experience, it's just more about trying to do the best job you can and get, get the things working so that people are happy with it and making sure they don't burn down and any, any kind of preventative maintenance that you can do to prevent bad things from happening is good. But a lot of times you get to step on that landmine before, you know, it's there. So,
0: well, wait, speaking of the internet, can people find you on the internet? If they have questions for you,
1: I mean, they can they can find me on the Internet. Um, Great. Well, we can leave it there
0: and say if you're (laughs) smart enough to find Wade.
1: (laughs) My name's Wade Williams. It shouldn't be that hard.
0: Um, Well, this is so much fun. I'm thrilled to have some some nuggets about your uh, professional journey um, other than that time that your car got stolen and burned. So this has been really enlightening for me. And hopefully people enjoy listening. So appreciate your time. (laughs)
1: Thanks, (laughs) Faith.
0: Thanks, Wayne. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io. We drop two episodes per week. So if you like this episode, Be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice and come hang out with us again next week and bring all your internet friends. If you have questions or recommendations, just shoot us a Twitter DM at the Frontier Pod and we'll see you next week.